Welcome to the Ledger Show. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Christian, and today we have Daniel. Daniel, welcome to the Ledger Show. Thank you very much, Christian, for having me here. Yeah, so uh, it's really my pleasure to have you here. Uh, as we were discussing before, well, I mean, the, the main reason for having you here is that you're like a finance automation expert, and you work at different startups, I guess, trying to automate things there. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, you work at Playtomic, and you're in charge of AR and billing there. Uh, yes, yes, I joined Playtomic uh, two or three months ago, right before summer, and uh, and yeah, I'm in the in the billing department, like pretty much same, trying to to improve processes and and automate things with with the ERPs and and the, the back office software that we use. So your role there is to smooth the billing process as much as you can, and ideally have something fully automated. Yes, yeah, you know, normally. When you when you work in a conversation on billing, obviously in startups, you use uh, a lot of spreadsheets. So uh, when the startup starts to grow and and the business needs to scale, you will probably hire uh, an ERP, and then you kind of have to figure out how to connect the spreadsheet that you have and the data you have with with that ERP to try to to make it more things more smoothly and are more scalable. You know, because well, obviously at the start. Uh, you don't worry about being scalable. You're just worrying about getting getting clients and getting stuff done. But then, when we start talking about uh, scaling and automation, then it's, it's the important part because uh, when you're expanding right now, Playtomic is throughout Europe and, and America, and several countries. You need to worry about that that kind of stuff. You know, trying to that everything works and that everything is very much automated. That's, that's super interesting. Would you say that the main concern about using spreadsheet is scaling up or also like you have other issues about reporting, like many people like touching spreadsheets, um, the, the fact that it's not like a clear process? Uh, that's, that's actually a great question. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, obviously when you work in, instead of a lot of people are going to ask you for information and then you kind of struggle with, uh, shall I share my spreadsheet? Uh, for them, maybe, you know, they, they touch things and, and think gets a little bit uh, messed up because some people, you know, in, in all departments are not finance, they're not very, uh, familiar with the formulas. So things can get a little bit messy. So when you, uh, when you share spreadsheets, it's always important, I, I think, for me to, to share with, you know, at least comment or, or views can, can get comments. And obviously when you have an ERP, you have a lot more control. And in the end, nobody's going to ask you. Can I look at the ERP? You know, they, they only care about spreadsheets and the numbers. I was gonna say, how, how do we do? How do you do it on on the ERP and, and stuff? So that's more for all finance to focus on. Did you? I mean, did you help Playtomic moving to the ERP, or it was already there? Yeah, I, actually, when when I joined, they were starting to work with uh, NetSuite, and they implemented it. I think in April, so we're we still in the phase of of implementation. Uh, right now, where we want to go, and and the idea in the near future, obviously it takes time. But uh, we use Stripe as a payment platform, so the idea is to integrate uh, Stripe with with NetSuite. Of course, there are struggles when you talk about integration. You have to make sure that everything works properly, uh, that the taxes on the invoices that we issue are properly calculated, 
uh, before trying to automate anything. So um, actually this week we were planning for, for Q4 for the priorities on the, on the building department. And, and the thing is that we need to improve with, with the help of the product department. And, and yeah, that's where we want to go, of course, but, uh, we need to take some steps before some action plans to make sure that all the things that uh, we do previously, uh, are, are correct, you know, so there are not mistakes in the middle that we might lose sight of when, when you try to automate, you know, sometimes you lose sight of what's, what's going on because you don't have that visibility when you do it manually. And, and I think that's, that's the important part you know, to take the, the proper steps and to take time to, to do the integrations and automate. So planning is, is very important. Okay. So just to set the stage, uh, Playtomic is a B2C company. So people can book uh, football camps. Yeah, yes. Actually, Playtomic uh, is focused on racket sports. I mean, in tennis, uh, badminton and, and paddle. What people in, in the cities can find someone to play with, they're, they're at the level. And also, uh, we work with the clubs uh, to, to advertise uh, their courts and the apps so, so the players can book there. And we're trying to build a, a community of players, really, you know, to people to get in touch play with each other and yeah okay so i guess you have the b2c part but also the b2b with the course owner with the yes yes the model business is uh, a little bit complex because we have uh, the clubs that are uh, depending on on the contract can be our vendors or our customers well it's just in, in italy we have a, a commission business model so in italy uh uh, the Italian clubs pay a commission uh, for using the, the Playtomic app and the support that we, we give in the app. And obviously the players also pay very commission. But, um, so yeah, we have both sides of, of the business. And uh, like you mentioned before, you're using Stripe. Uh, are you using Stripe both for like payment processing and also for billing? Um, right now for, for billing, we had, well, you've seen NetSuite actually. Uh, for, for the Italian model on the payments that we have in Stripe. Stripe is, is building the, the clients. We want to, to integrate that with, with NetSuite to invoice, uh, all from, from the NetSuite from the ERP. That is it's a bit complex because uh, on Stripe, obviously it's a big platform. So we have several countries and we have to take into consideration, you know, all the, the taxes that we have, not only in Europe, but also, uh, in the US, in Australia and, and in America. Okay, that, that's quite interesting because like Stripe, it's it's a fully blown platform. I mean, you, you can start in one day billing pretty much wherever you want, but it's also very expensive. And uh, people use it that don't say this. Yeah, yeah yes, the uh, cost, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I think they charge zero point starting from zero point five percent for yeah for the billing part. So every invoice that you create, they're going to charge that part plus the the payment processing part. So I guess it makes a lot of sense to bring this into NetSuite. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good platform, you know, to, to receive payments because you can receive worldwide. Uh, but obviously you have different models that can help you uh, to do things better. But, uh, as you mentioned, obviously the, the goal in the end, when you're a big company is having everything in house and not depends on, on external connections and, and external providers. You mentioned the taxing part is, is, uh, is, is I mean, it's something I need to consider. Is, is that a challenging part because you need to recreate all the rules that maybe you have in Stripe or that Stripe does for you? 
inside NetSuite? Uh, yes, I have actually the same issue. And in Spot at Home, uh, you know, mainly obviously our business, our core business is in Europe. So in Europe, uh, you have the different tax regulations that you need to comply with. Also, you have uh, intra community uh, transactions, which doesn't charge, doesn't have VAT. So, you know, you need to, to validate the VAT number for the different companies to make sure what, what VAT you're applying on the invoice. So it's, uh, it's, it's a completely different world, you know, and every invoice that you issue might have different specifications in Germany. I think you have to have a, a box with the details of the taxes that you're applying and all the breakdown of, of the numbers in other countries, not as much uh, in Italy and uh, they have not only the VAT number, but they also have the college fiscale, which is valid for them, uh, not for, not for other European companies. But uh, if they use it, you have to adapt to that as well. Yeah. I mean, billing is so hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes it doesn't sound like it, right? It's issuing an invoice, but in the end, you have a lot of things to consider. Yeah, it's like I, I can, I mean, I, I can get through with the Google Documents, but then you realize, okay, it's like 24 different countries. Every country has a different like set of rules. And then you need to do it at scale, which is like you know, 1,000 invoices per month. Um, you mentioned your experience as Spota Home. And that, I, I think, there you had the more, maybe more general role, like because you were a finance manager there? Uh, yes, I was managing the, the entire account receivable department. So I was in charge of the whole billing cycle from issuing the invoices to, to the reconciliations. And, and also uh, I was the person involved in, in all the projects that uh, when you, know, you want to expand the business, you're going to try new projects and a new, new business to explore new business with your customers. So I was trying to kind of reflect that from a, a conversable finance perspective, you know, how that integrates to first to our ERP and, and what do we need to do to account for that revenue properly. How was the, the billing part when you started uh, Spot at Home and how you left the billing part when you left? I guess a lot of things happened in between. Uh, yeah, uh, there was... Uh, yeah, when I started, we only have uh, the core business with uh, and spot a home. It was long-term rentals, so basically we were the middleman between the tenants and and the landlords, and and that was it. We received the the first payment, and then when the tenant moved in, we send the payment to to the landlord, and that's where spot a home just uh, responsibilities ended. Then it was up to to the tenants and landlords to continue with with the payments and the relationship. And when I left. Uh, uh, there was another project that involved uh, uh, that we were more present throughout the, the whole stay of the tenant, meaning that uh, we guarantee the rent for the landlords. So every month we would try to charge the tenants the money and then send it to the landlords. And um, also, you know, when I started, we also struggled with uh, with the part that we discussed before, which was the VAT, intercommunity VAT, basically, uh, that checking that the companies were valid in the VS, which is the, the European uh, uh, register for, for companies. And that was manual and we had to struggle with that manually. So uh, after a year, you know, that I got a, I got a good understanding of, of how things were working, uh, we were able to automate that. Uh, so all the invoices had CRVAT uh, automatically and we didn't have to like change it manually before sending them. So before it was like googling check VAT, then we we'll click on the VS website, 
pass the VAT, check if the VAT was compliant, and then creating the invoice. Uh, so yes, something like that. You know, in the end, you you kind of remember all the companies that are VAT valid because you see them every day. But uh, yeah, we had to do that, and uh, uh, we actually integrated with. We use another ERP there, which was uh, Navision, and there there was the possibility of uh, connecting that to the VS. So you know all the clients that you had there uh, will automatically check if the VAT number was valid before issuing an invoice. So yeah, that was actually a, a big win, I would say. Yeah. Took a lot of pressure out of, out of the department, and and we were making sure that the invoices were done properly. And I mean, th there it's, it's where you use, I guess, uh, SheetGo to automate some of the operation, right? Uh, yes, we actually, you know, when you work in startups, obviously there's, you can use your piece if you're big, but in the end, there'll always be spreadsheets everywhere. So sometimes, you know, we use SheetGo, for instance, uh, we had to download three or, or four files to, to actually reflect a, a transaction in in a vision so what we did is with Chico we kind of instead of allowing three three different files and then copy paste all the information uh we were able to kind of uh using sheet code take all the information from from the spreadsheet without having to copy paste and all, on just one spreadsheet so then we could upload a template to to the erp you know, so it was it was easier because when you are doing manually, you can get confused. You know which column they had to copy paste, which information is it correct, uh, slip my mind or not. So you know, once you you do it and you figure out that it's done correctly, you just don't have to even think about it. So it takes a lot of uh, time uh, of the team and a lot of uh, potential errors that are reduced when you automate. You know, with with external tools such as Chico. Something that you mentioned before is. Um... You also had to reconcile this payment because I guess you had some, um, like some, like uh, you had to work a lot on the, the the treasury operation. Like, okay, we received the payment from the from the tenant. We we need to uh, pay this. I don't know. I guess the deposit or like the initial payments yeah. to the landlord. How, how did you automate all this operation? Um, we had, we had a query. It wasn't fully automated. We, we used a query to, to match the payments that we received. It, it was an, an Excel, I think it was an Excel query that uh, kind of matched the, the payments from, from the tenants with to the payments that we had to do, uh, with the landlords because sometimes it's hard to identify them if you don't have the proper reference. Uh, so basically it was just a huge spreadsheet with, with a query that took, I don't know, 20 minutes to run. And, and we, we try to do that, uh, you know, every couple of days because otherwise it will get too big and, you know, it will end up taking a lot of time. I see. So it was only credit card payments or also bank transfers? Uh, we, we attempted to get only car payments. Sometimes, you know, when, when some countries it wasn't possible for some international constraints between, you know, banking, uh, we had to receive, uh, Bank bank transfers as well, which uh, were the hardest actually to to reconcile, you know, because sometimes it depends on the person if they put the proper uh, description there or concept of the transfer or not. So, yeah, yeah, so we, we struggled a bit. I also. guess partially, yeah, like partially automated, but 
with with a lot of external control like someone has to go through the rows and check okay is this the um, right thing was, was this paid yes a little bit you know at the end of, of every cycle we need to check if we receive the correct payment or if we are missing a payment so obviously there was kind of automated but uh, you know when you try to automate it also way more that you can do you know it's on stages in spot home the foundation was very good uh, but there was still room for for development and, and improvement Okay. Um, so you, you work at two different companies where uh, somehow they had an ERP, uh, Microsoft Navigation and Spot at Home, and now you're using Oracle NetSuite at Platomic. Uh, like from, from the finance automation like point of view, I, what is the role that the ERP has for you? Like it's something that you should invest Yeah. And as soon as possible, or it's just a part of the system and you should use it as a general ledger because anyway, you need to have other system. Yeah, no, that's actually a good question. I think the role that ERP, like for me, maybe it's not something that you have to have from the beginning, but uh, I think it helps to centralize all the operations, all the finance transaction in one place. And also it will help you with to issue a proper reporting and, and do tax declarations. Um, you know, you have everything there so you can bring your reportings and it's always easier to to t have the, the accounting in-house. Because if you don't have an ERP, you probably have a, an external accountant that handles all of that for you. So when you want to have that in-house, you will end up probably with, a, with an ERP, you know. And in the end, I think the role of an ERP is having all the, the inf financial information centralized to issue the invoices, uh, either to report to, to investors and and to declare the taxes to the local authorities. And I think, you know, it's important also, if you're thinking about, you know, having an ERP uh, to build a strong foundation of uh, a source of truth that you may have. So later on, you can connect to that ERP, you know, because if you had all the information spread in different, uh, I don't know, softwares or, or back office programs or spreadsheets, it's going to be harder to, you know, to put all that information in in their ERP in, in the right way, you know, and that's kind of uh, where we add a play Tommy, you know, it has several sources of truth. So we have to kind of figure it out, uh, to put everything in one place and then try to integrate that with, with NetSuite as well. Okay. So the idea is to have, uh, to use the ERP as a, like, uh, as a central source of information and then either plug in other systems as an integration that maybe you can use to, to yeah, that that's the way I see it. Maybe it's software also easier better to do it for. Yeah, to do you know reconciliation to reconcile the payments. Uh, many ERPs have that uh, built inside them, so if you provide the correct information, some reconciliations are uh, just done automatically. In the end, it's just a matter of where do you get the information from and is it correct or not when you when you're trying to integrate that. Is there any case in which you should not look for an ERP or like, how would you approach this from a startup perspective? Like we have a bunch of spreadsheet, like where, what shall we do? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, it depends on the, on the size of the company and the stage that you're in. For instance, when I, when I started at, um, in the startup was very little, you know, maybe 25, 50 people and, and we had an external accountant. So, uh, 
when you're at that point and you can manage all that information, you actually don't need an ERP if the, the external contact can handle everything. But when you're talking about, you know, scaling, uh, you probably want to get bigger as a startup and, and scale. So you're going to have investors that they're going to request, you know, for regular reports. Um, and in the end, you have to report to them. So it's always easier to get those reports from, from an ERP, you know, and if you are scaling, uh, it's also easier to have an ERP to have everything centralized and make sure that you're compliant in the different locations. Um, I think it helps a lot with, with reporting, you know, when you're trying to do the P&L to properly allocate the, the expenses and how to see everything. Otherwise, in spreadsheets, uh, can get a little bit messy when, when you're talking about, you know, cost centers and everything, uh, it can get a little bit, uh, too much. Let's, let's say that you're a consultant right now and you're helping other companies achieving finance automation. Uh, I have had like an endless number of conversations with people, either finance manager or head of finance startups, but also more bigger like public companies. Um, where, yeah, they, they basically cannot achieve stuff. Maybe they have reduced the amount of overdue invoices, uh, that they have, but it's, everything's pretty manual. So you have, you have to fight between things that I need to do today and things that are important, but they're not strictly necessary. Like, how, how would you approach this? Like, what would be like your plan from zero to 100? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I think a lot of uh, teams struggle with that balance, you know, like managing things from, from the past and backlog that you have with the things that you have to do today urgently, yes or yes, and the things that where, where you want to get, you know, like to improve things for the future. Um, I think in order to improve for the future is the most important thing is to get a good understanding of how things are working as of now in a company. You know, if you, if you like go to as a consultant for a company and, you know, just spend one or two days with them and they show you what they do, like very quickly and you don't get a good grasp of how everything is working and everything is uh, connected, you're going to end up missing some probably key pieces when trying to automate. And I think that's, that's where you make mistakes. You know, I think the most important part is to get a good understanding because otherwise you're just running for something where, where you don't have all the information with you and, and you're going to get, make mistakes and maybe you put a lot of effort in trying to do something when, when that wasn't really necessary or it wasn't the, the pain point that you thought that it was, you know, maybe the pain point was somewhere else that you, you missed because you were like focusing on something that was very, uh, that appeared big, but in the end it didn't took uh, too much time or wasn't maybe as important as, as sort of things. Okay. So one way would be, one way to approach this would be to bring a consultant that can focus with, with the team to get what are the things that you're trying to do, what are you plan to improve them, uh, try to understand how they do things right now and then suggest improvement. Yes, I think also, you know, it's important to see how the things that the finance team are doing is connected with, with the different departments, because sometimes I, I get the, the impression that in, in some companies, the finance team is a little bit more uh, isolated or in the background. So nobody really knows how the finance team does things 
or what they do exactly, you know, they just like give me the numbers. And uh and in the end the finance team is is actually reflecting what's happening uh, maybe with the sales team or with the customer care team. So everything that's going on uh in the business, uh the finance team is trying to reflect that in numbers. So it's important to to don't lose from sight that that connection that the finance team have with the other departments, you know what what they are doing. But so you you work in the in the AR part in the billing part. So I guess you have a strong connection and relationship with customer support and with salespeople. How does yes. does that work generally? Like they they try to ping you a this did this customer pay or this customer said that this billing is incorrect. Like what should we do? Uh, well, normally you know when a customer is upset because they haven't received a payment or the invoice is wrong. Uh, obviously, they will ping us like, hey, this is wrong. And you have to figure out how, how to fix it and what to do. You know, when it, it goes, sometimes when it's the other way around, you know, they are trying to do business and you receive the money. They, they don't go as much to you because they know have a problem. They are trying to do something. So it's you that has a problem that you're doing something, but I don't know exactly what you're doing. So what, what do I do with it? You know, like for instance, uh, we receive, uh, I don't know. 500 euros, like, where does it come from? What, what business are we doing? Do we have a contract or, or not? Are we providing a service? Have we bought something? So, you know, that in, in those cases, you have to go to them. Or, you know, if you are doing a reconciliation uh, of, a, of the client's payments, for instance, and, and you don't find a payment or you don't understand a payment, you're going to go to the customer care team to say, hey, I got this payment from from this claim, but I actually don't know what it is. I think it's, it's wrong or we should give it back or you know what's going on. Do, do you have any particular like platform or system in place to smooth this collaboration between different teams? Or it's, I, I, I mean, I try to guess it's mainly Slack or whatever um, system you use there. Yes, I think in in startup, the most common one is Slack because it's very easy to, to ping other people and other teams. In Spot at Home, we also use a, a ticket system. Uh, it was called uh, Jira, you know, uh, but that was basically for the product guys. When we have an issue with product or something uh, broke down, we just put a Jira and, and they prioritize according with the tasks that they had. But it's mostly, uh, I think those two, they obviously, you know, emails uh, and Google Drive. Obviously, in the end, you share a lot of Again, for me, a spreadsheet with teams and, and they have comments asking for you things and, and you try to reply to them. So it goes, uh, different ways of communication, I would say. So you mentioned Google Drive and now I have a question for you. Do you see any interesting trend around spreadsheet and Excel files? Like, do you think they're here to stay or? somehow like ERP or other software, they're going to bring more automation and then you can rely less. Um, so far as I can see, uh, in every business and startup I've been, everybody uses spreadsheets. And I'm talking, you know, from, uh, I work at BBA for a time. I'm talking about, you know, big companies to small startups that they don't have the budget and they're obviously going to use spreadsheets. But in big companies and everywhere, even audit companies, when you are doing an audit, they are going to ask for an Excel file. So um, I don't think they are going away uh, anytime soon. You know, probably you have more tools 
such as Sheetco and, and there are similar tools. I think there's, there's a startup called Spreadsheet.com, you know, uh, that they're doing interesting things as well. And I think in the end, it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to disappear, but it's going to be replaced with something better. Uh, it's going to look pretty much, uh, the same, but not, not in the near future that I can see. Okay. Do, do you see any other interesting trend uh, in the finance automation like field or things that you would like to, you know, like it would be nice to have a better way of doing this because right now it's pretty manual. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, well, right now, I think the trend is obviously uh, trying to automate things for, for scaling. Um, but uh, the key part there is to communicate with other departments, you know, uh, before it used to be that finance teams were a little bit more isolated. I think that's changing. And now finance team how to communicate more with, with the other departments in the company, uh, to try to, to improve things and, and automate things because everything is interconnected and it's not as much as it used to be where, uh, the finance team was just, uh, in the end, a controlling team saying you are spending too much or you are spending too little or we are making too little money. I think now uh, the financier is more involved in the company uh, in, in every aspect, really. Now that's the thing I can see. And, um, and I think now teams are trying to be, get more creative and using different tools to, to automate and improve. And, and depending on the things that you are trying to do, uh, it may be with an external tool or, or, you know, something that you need to build in house. And, and for that, you have to talk with the product team. So that, those are the tenets that I see. The, the finance team is not as much as a fixed team, you know, with, with three or four tools, like it's one spreadsheet, uh, and emails address and, and that's it. Rather than you know, try to diversify that and use different tools to, in the end, uh, automate and, and make things a little bit easier and, and more efficient. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I had a couple of conversation, I think, in the previous weeks with uh, the other finance of a company based in Berlin. He was saying, yeah, finance is not a watchdog anymore. Like, that's not our role. We're not just bookkeepers. Yeah. Um, I mean, we need to communicate more with the rest of the company. And I mean, our role is to support a company and not just be here and watch the budget. Yes, exactly. Actually, I had a, when I, when I joined Spot Home, there was like this, this rule that nobody talked to the finance team, which had, obviously in the end it, it changed and, and it, it helped a lot in the end. Because otherwise, it's like you just say, you know, you, you lose sight of what the company is doing and, and what you're actually doing. And the end, the end is all uh, interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I think that that's key. Like, uh, not seeing the finance team as a back office, but more like it's, it's really helping growing the company. And like it's, yeah, on top of the revenue, on top of the cost, and it, I mean, you can share feedbacks. And I mean, you, you can talk to them. They're kind of consultant or how we should, how we're supposed to do things. Are we selling things and we're actually making money or the margins are so low that maybe it makes sense doing something else? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I had, you know, many, when I was put home, many uh, head of departments in the different locations that were coming to us, like, I need to do, I need to do this. How do we do it? Uh, what do you need from me? How, how can we do it? Is it a good idea or not? What do you think? And, and I think that's, that's the way things uh, need to go, you know, like be approachable the other teams are not like i'm not going to bother them because they're they're finance they're doing numbers rather than you know get, get in touch and, and reach out 
in the end, we're all like going in the same direction. How are you doing this at a Platonic for now? Like, do you have office hours, like, where you can knock on the door of the finance team, or is this more fluid? Like, you can just lock people on Slack and ask a question to the finance team. Yeah, I think uh, we have you have different channels, you know, depending on, on the issues, and also people in Slack can just select you directly. We obviously were working from home normally, but we try to go to the office one or two times a week because in the end, it's always easier to see each other face to face, and and you build a better, uh, you know, like team relationship with the team, and it's always easier to to see things in person. So, yeah, I think pretty much people get in touch with you whenever they need to, and as long as you know they they are nice, they're gonna look forward to talking to you and you try to build things the right way. So I guess that the key part is, is being approachable. So like everyone can talk and should talk to the finance team. <laughs> exactly, yes. Okay. Um, I think it's time to wrap up. So I always like to ask uh, like a handful of, of questions to my guests. Uh, are you ready for them? Of course. Okay. What is the best piece of advice that you have received? Uh, yeah, it was when I started working in startups, uh, my boss told me, you know, at the end of the day, we are not neurosurgeons, meaning, you know, that at the end of the day, it's not life or death, what we're doing. And that helps, you know, take a little bit of pressure of you know, at the end of the day and, and, you know, see things in perspective. And in the end, that uh, you end up being nice to, to the other departments because everyone gets frustrated. But, you know, when you, when you like relativize, put things in perspective, it's always uh, better, you know, you are more uh, relaxed and, and things flow better. That, that, that's a great Friday afternoon advice to just relax and chill out. <laughs> yeah. What book would you recommend to, to our audience? Is there anything that you're reading? Um, well, I mostly read fiction, so I don't know if uh, that applies. I mean, I recently read uh, Fahrenheit 451, which is a classic, but I think it's very much relevant nowadays and I really liked it. Yeah, it's a great book. Uh, what's your main passion outside work? Um, well, outside work, uh, I love reading. So I try to read uh, one or two books a month. And I have a, a very big library. So I'm all the time buying books and, and reading new books, mostly, you know, fiction. So yeah, that, that's my passion books, I would say. Yeah, that's a great passion. And if you're not a finance expert, what else would you do? Um, well, I would say since I, I love books, I probably something related to that. Uh, I can't say exactly what for sure, but something in that area. Nice. Uh, okay, so if, if people want to find out more about Platonic, they, they can check the website or the LinkedIn page. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Yeah, they can reach out, you know, sending me a, a DM on LinkedIn, uh, Daniel Robles, and I'm the one working at, at Platonic, and I'll be happy to in touch with them and, and reply on to them. Yeah, I, I will put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people can reach out easily. Uh, Daniel, it was a pleasure to have you here today. Uh, thank you again. I'm wishing you the best. Yeah, likewise. likewise. And have a good day, Christian. It was a pleasure.